Welcome to the first edition of the Midweek Starter Podcast presented by Perfect Game. My name is Brian Sikowski, uh, joining you from snowy and cold Detroit, Michigan, just praying for baseball season. Joining me is Andrew Kraus from sunny Jacksonville, Florida. Say hi, Andrew. Hey, how's it going? As well as Jeremy Brown from Western Massachusetts, which doesn't really have any big cities for me to name. Say hi, Jeremy. Hello. We are going to be bringing you a podcast, ideally weekly, on the MLB draft and scouting uh, and how they tie together, obviously, because that's what we do for a living. Um, We work together a lot, probably too much. We see each other a lot, definitely too much. And I think as a result of that, we have a pretty good rapport with each other. Uh, We're all knowledgeable guys. We, We all understand Uh, the nuances of the draft process and the scouting process. And we think that as a result of of all of those things, we can, we can bring the listener an entertaining and informative look at the draft, at what we see throughout the spring, at what we hear throughout the spring. um, And just basically have some fun with it. That's what we're going to do. You can follow the show on Twitter at midweek starter. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at B underscore Sikowski underscore PG. Jeremy is at J Brown PG and Andrew is at a Krause PG. You can also email the show midweek starter at gmail.com. Uh, I think eventually we'll have a segment of, of reader emails, listener emails, um, you know, question and answer kind of stuff where we can kind of go around and, and, and answer your questions one-on-one. But for the first couple weeks, uh, we'll see how long. But for the first couple weeks, at least, I think we definitely have enough content to to make it through our 45 minutes to an hour of podcasting without any any question and answer segments. So without any further ado, without any other housekeeping stuff, I think we're going to jump right into it. Um, And seeing as we're sitting here on the 24th of February in the year of our Lord 2016, that means that we are in the... Full bore into the second week of the college baseball season. Uh, Andrew and Jeremy were both at different events this past weekend. Andrew was in Gainesville watching the University of Florida. Uh, Jeremy was in Myrtle Beach at a a college tournament with several high-quality teams with lots of high-quality talent. And I think we are going to start in Gainesville, and I want to talk about first-rounders. Andrew, tell us what you saw. Well, I think the the first – well – I think the first first rounder we could talk about because there's going to be plenty over the next couple of years but for the 2016 draft at least is uh aj puck who's their it's actually their saturday starter but he's our top rated college prospect um when we put out the um, top junior list a couple of months ago uh six foot seven left-hander uh you know still big long limbs has some projection remaining despite the big size can fill out a little bit more although he's still pretty strong um he didn't have his best stuff. We had we had seen last year towards the end of the year when he really came on the the back half of 2015. He was up to the uh, mid uh, upper 90s with his fastball. This past weekend he was mainly 92, 94, um, touched 95 a few times in the early going. He was really good um, the first couple innings on Saturday. Um, showed better command than what I had seen in the past. Was working downhill with his fastball and spotting to both sides. Um, just a tough pitch for guys to pick up on and, and put the barrel on. In the third inning, he ran to, into a little bit of trouble, um, some defensive miscues, and then he lived up in the zone a little bit and got hit hard. Um, 
at the end of the day, you know, I don't think his his draft prospects slipped any. It's the first start of the year. Uh, he still showed a a quality fastball. He still showed um, a six slider that could potentially play a half grade to a grade higher if he commands a little bit better. Um, and the changeup has made some progress. So there are a lot of things to like and uh, a lot of things to work with. It's going to be fun to see how this spring progresses, and I'm sure he'll he'll get that velocity back um, to where it was last year as he builds his stamina up and we get deeper into the season. So when you when you mentioned that you don't think his draft stock slipped at all, I mean, obviously, I don't think anybody's draft stock can really rise or fall in the first couple of weeks. You know, scouts are getting looks at these guys and, and they're turning in reports, but, but anyone who is that high in the pecking order, so to speak, anyone who's that high on prep lists and, and various rankings lists like Puck is, I mean, it's not like one look is going to kill a guy, right? And yeah. it's not like you're saying that he had a bad look anyway, but you mentioned the velocity's down, but it's obviously it's the first week of the season. So for people who might get concerned about, oh, well, you know, I thought the fastball was going to be a seven, but it's kind of a six right now. Like, does that even matter in anyone's head right now in February? No, I don't think so. I think it's more just to see um, how the body looks, how the delivery looks, um, kind of how he's going about his business. Um you just want to see that everything is still working right and the stamina and all that kind of stuff should come back. I mean, if it doesn't after a month or so, maybe you ask some more questions. But at this point, um, you're just kind of checking in. All these scouts have, have seen him before. Um, so it's just kind of a matter of um, making sure you do your due diligence. And, uh, yeah, I don't I don't think the first few weeks are, are representative of of anything really other than just making sure you're you're checking in and, and getting another good look at the guy. All right, good. So it sounds like he's still pretty highly like within the top three picks right now, if we had to match if we had to map it out. Yeah, I'd say so. You know, we'll get into some of the other discussion later, but uh there's still a lot to like, the size, the fact that he's left handed, um the track record of him of his stuff being, you know, plus or better with his fastball and his slider. Um, and the command looks to be, at least it did on Friday in a short, small sample, that his command looks to be a little bit um, more consistent than it had been in the past. So um, he's still firmly up in the in the upper echelon of, of draft prospects for 2016. And Puck is their Saturday guy, right? That's correct. Which means that they have a Friday guy. <laughs> yeah. Why, why don't you uh, talk about him? Their Friday guy is Logan Shore, who is also pretty highly relate, uh, rated. He doesn't have the same kind of raw stuff as Puck, but he has been kind of a master class at, at, at the college game the last couple of years and has been their Friday guy um, for a long time now. And kind of the same thing with AJ. He didn't have his A stuff um, on Friday, but he was living mostly in the 88-91 mile an hour range with his fastball. He's been a few ticks higher um, in the past, has even touched – as high as 94 recently, but uh, showed good command. You know, he, he has plus command and uh, plus pitchability, I'd say, as well. He really knows how to how to move the ball and sequence hitters. And then his big second pitch is his changeup, which is a plus pitch that is very deceptive, and he replicates his arm speed well and can locate it and use it in any count to both righties and lefties. So he showed that off, and he, and he showed his kind of um, astute feel for pitching. I think the big thing for him is going to be how that third pitch develops, and for him it's a slider. Um, he threw it a little bit more than I had seen in the past on Friday. He he showed some comfort in it. It still isn't a, 
isn't a great pitch, but uh, I, th- I think personally, I think it'll it'll be enough of a weapon for him to use um, consistently and, and change hitters um, kind of sight lines and timing. So I think that development overall is going to affect where he ends up being selected this June. If you had to put a guess on it, you think he's a first round guy? Um, I personally think he will get in the back half. I think he's a, a quote unquote safe pick. Um, he has a higher floor. He doesn't have the highest ceiling, but I could see him as kind of a, a back of the rotation guy who should move relatively quickly. Um, there's a lot of things to like. I mentioned the, the pitch ability and command. Um, I think he's a really good competitor, has good makeup. There's, there's things to like. I mean, I don't, I don't have a pick, so it's hard to say, but I, I'd, I'd feel pretty comfortable saying he'd, he'd go in the, the later part of the first round, and, and if not, I think it's good value in the supplemental or even if he slips to the second round. You mentioned that you don't have a pick. I just want the listeners to know that that like, came in number two when we were naming the podcast. <laughs> like Obviously, we went with midweek starter, but number two was we don't have a draft pick. Yeah. Uh, obviously that's important to understand. We can talk up guys all we want, but at the end of the day, we, we don't have anything riding on it, really. I mean, our reputations, obviously, when we put opinions and, and thoughts out there as far as scouting guys, but we don't have our jobs riding on the line with a draft pick. Yep. Um, okay, so we talk Shore, we talk Puck, both you know, pretty safely in the first 40 picks, roughly, right now, with, yep. with potential to be higher. But there's also another guy in Gainesville who might be a top five type. And I know that's our good friend, Mike Ferentz, favorite player in college baseball. So tell us about Buddy Reed. Yeah. Buddy uh, is a super athletic center fielder um, has been known for, for a while now in, in scouting circles and had a pretty good summer this year as well for team USA. I know Jeremy was able to see him and I know actually Brian, we were able to see him um, in October. We went to uh Gainesville just for a practice before we went down to Jupiter, um, took a little road trip and just visited and and got a chance to talk with Coach O'Sullivan and um, Buddy looked a little bit more physical, a little stronger than he than he did I think uh, a couple months ago. Um, he's listed at six four two ten. I think that's pretty accurate and I know I texted you guys and said he looks like AJ Green. He looks like an, an NFL wide receiver um, and he's always had the the super you know, good frame and athletic build, but he looks to, to be a little bit more physical, which is, which is good. Maybe you can see uh, some more power, power developing there. Um, his weekend wasn't the best at the plate, but uh, he can still run. I mean, he's at least a seven runner. He's at least a seven defender in center field. I only got to see him swing left-handed. It was, you know, he's a switch hitter, but uh, he faced all righties. And early in the, the weekend, he was, I think he was pressing a little bit and, expanding the strike zone and things like that but he still has some of the hitting tools that you look for and he has the high level athleticism that uh, scouts like to dream upon and and those are the guys you're willing to take chances on so I think uh, as he gets more comfortable and and gets back into the swing of things you'll see uh, some better at bats from him. Would you make the argument that there's no one in the country with better raw tools? Uh, Yes I would say that's a safe argument to make. Um, You don't see bodies like that you don't see athleticism like that very often um and kind of his entire package is something that i don't think can be topped um at least in this year's draft it sounds good to me yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right let's swing it over to uh to mr brown right now jeremy tell us what you saw this week 
Yeah, so the uh, the Caravelle Resort Tournament down in, uh, where was I, Myrtle Beach, had was a six-team tournament. Three of them ranked within our top 25. But it was the uh, matchup with the Virginia Cavaliers and our unranked Kent State Golden Flashes. That was the big draw of the tournament. Since we're talking about first-rounders, we have Connor Jones and Kent State's Eric Lauer. Jones is probably more of a uh, a lock to go in the first. It just now depends whether where where he solidifies himself, whether it's top five, top ten, ten to fifteen, on and on. But in terms of stuff, I mean, he came out and showed four pitches. He touched ninety five early, sat ninety ninety four with big sink, and his overall stat line was probably the best of all the top ranked arms we have on our for our draft list. He went seven shutout innings. And he just really knows how to pitch. Whether it's the pitch calling from the coach, he's the one that's able to execute it, working the two-seamer, all of which show at least average now. So, I mean, it's a four-pitch, strongly built righty with a proven track record of winning. So, you know how that bodes comes draft time. So, Do you think he's uh, he's got a little bit more velocity in the tank? I do. I think I think you could be looking at a 93, 95, touching 96, as if not more. Once he actually gets into the full of it, I mean, it's the end of February. Right. He's already touching 95. So in living, I mean, what was impressive was his ability to live in that range through seven innings. He was still touching 93s late, with the same big sinking life. So I think that's something that you have to obviously look at when you're looking at him this early in the process. Well, you know me. I'm a I'm a Michigan guy. Went to a Mac school. Fire up chips. So I want to know about Eric Lauer. Sure. Well, Lauer. I mean, you're getting a big left-hander. Came out and lived like 90, 93, and like literally didn't drop below that, but maybe once or twice. And the arm action's clean. It works. The ball comes out crisp down to either side of the plate. He walked three, which probably is what you would think he'd walk within, like, the first half of the season, not one start. But, again, it's the end of February. I mean, and it wasn't until late he started showing that above-average slider in the low 80s that we've come known out of him for two above-average pitches. He flashed a curveball. For for where we are in the season, it's definitely looking like he could be a back-end-of-the-first type if not better with through as the spring progresses. And I'll definitely be able to, to get some eyes on him this later on this spring. He I know he comes up to, to central and he comes up to eastern. He's so he's at least in the state of Michigan twice. So depending, I know you'll be there for that. Yeah, depending on how my schedule shakes out, I'll definitely get to see him. Um <laughs> was there anybody else of note from that that tournament down there? Not necessarily first round types, but guys you liked anyway? Yeah, I mean, Andrew Kisner, the catcher from NC State, he's transitioning from third base. This is going to be a second spring behind the plate. First day, first game, he looked like he was pressing a little bit, wasn't getting his footwork underneath him, throws were sailing defensively. And then I saw that each of their next two games, and I think he threw out four base runners and back-picked another two. His He was much more calm. He's got, a, he's got above average, like, catch-and-throw skills when you actually look at him. He's not rushing through it. So, I mean, like Tim, he also hit two bombs throughout. So the approach at the plate. So you have a power hitting catcher, which often go higher than you would expect in the draft. So that was one. The other one I liked was on his team as well. Uh, Preston Palmero, Raphael's son. 
just everything he hit was on the screws throughout the weekend. He used a middle-of-the-field approach but wasn't afraid to go oppo or pull. So he's another one that – I mean, he's not your first-round type. and probably more in the three-to-five type range, but he's athletic. I think he could probably move off first base and add some defensive value as well. So, Jeremy, didn't you see him in the Cape and you said that um, I did. he's really improved in your in your eyes since then? I thought so. I mean, I, I had like a two-game look on the Cape, and it looked like he was getting long and around the ball, and everything he was doing was pull-happy, whereas here he was just staying short. His hands were really loose and fluid, and the swing just worked. I mean, it, maybe it was just because of my short sample size prior, but it looked like a different swing to me and a much more willingness to use the oppo gap. So gotcha. obviously something you're you're pleased to see in a hitting prospect. Cross, same question, man. Anybody that uh, you saw that not necessarily a first-round type, but but you liked a lot anyway? Uh, where to start? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at least for the 2016 class, there were there were a handful of guys. Um, you know, just quickly, you guys both know I've I've always been a big fan of Dane Dunning. Uh, I saw him <laughs> I saw him a number of times in high school. Um, he's from the Jacksonville area. Um, kind of a loose, projectable righty who's um, Split time between the bullpen and the rotation during his time in Gainesville. Um, he's a junior this year. Still has some room to fill out, and he's super loose, and he has a fast arm. He's been up to 95, 96 in the past. Um, this weekend he came out of the bullpen, kind of closed out on Friday night. was more in the 91, 94 range, but uh, has some good life, some good run and sink on the fastball, and also has an above-average changeup. And uh, I'm a big fan of guys that uh, – can uh, throw a good changeup. Uh, the slider needs a little work, and I think that eventually is going to determine where he ends up being drafted. That, um, along with kind of his command, I think he has, um, you know, he might have five command. He might be a little fringy there. He's he's had some issues in the past. His numbers haven't been um, bad, but uh, it'd be nice to see him tighten it tighten it up a little bit. But there's certainly a lot, a lot of things to to dream upon and to work with um, when you're looking for a pitcher. Um, you had to guess, where do you think he goes? Uh, probably somewhere in like the third round range. I think he could go a little bit higher if he is a little, consi- a little more consistent this year. Um, maybe as high as the second round, you know, if he, if he really blows up and, um, is able to start and, and show some more, uh, durability and, and, and add to that third pitch a little bit more and have it be more consistent, maybe in the supplemental rounds. But I think, I think safely uh, a safe bet would be around the third round. Um, you start talking about him in that range. Um, let's see other guys from the 16 class. You know they have a ton of bullpen arms that are interesting. Um, Sean Anderson is a guy who has worked primarily out of the bullpen for the Gators. Um, big physical kid, six five, two thirty. Was drafted late out of high school, but he's also a kind of low to mid 90s arm that uh, can show a power breaking ball. He threw an inning and was pretty good. Uh, Scott Moss is an interesting uh, tall lefty who he redshirted his first year on campus in 14 and then in 15 he was last season he was hurt and didn't pitch at all so I have never seen him but he pitched well in the uh, Northwoods League apparently this summer and this fall um, we heard some good things um, coming out of Gainesville and he threw an inning and was impressive you know same kind of deal uh, tall kid works downhill low 90s can touch 94 and uh, also showed off a decent breaking ball. So there's there's there are bullpen arms there that uh, 
maybe go in the middle rounds that would be appealing to a, an organization? Now, I kind of want to touch on underclassmen a little bit because, you know, at Perfect Game, we are always kind of forward thinking. I mean, I know we've put together draft lists for the 2018 class already. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to spend an hour and a half on it because we could if we just talked about Florida underclassmen. <laughs> so quickly, if you can kind of go through, because I know they have like four or five freshmen that really stand out right away. So if you yeah. could kind of jump through those real quick, I, I know I still want to hear about them, and I know the listeners still want to hear about them. Okay, at least the the freshman class, the, the two guys that really stand out are, are are pitchers. They're both kind of similar in their build, kind of six five, thin, maybe one eighty ish. Singer might be a little bit um, heavier than Jackson Coar. Brady Singer came in on Saturday, was ninety two ninety five out of the bullpen, working downhill, um, a lot of movement, life on the fastball, and and showed off an above-average breaking ball. And then Jackson Coar came in for essentially what was mop-up duty on Sat- or on Sunday afternoon and was consistently 95 or 94 to 98 with his fastball, just has a super, super quick arm, and uh, also has a plus changeup kind of in the mid-80s. So they, they both figure to be big-time guys um, going forward. I mean, they're going to be weapons out of the pen this year, but uh, kind of as they develop, you could see them in the rotation and then um, I think Deacon Lippett, who's their second baseman, left-handed bat, who uh, has an advanced approach of just seeing the ball really well, kind of gap power, uses the whole field and was not expanding, kind of played above his years. Um, if you didn't know if he, he was a freshman this weekend, you, you wouldn't have been able to tell. And then similar along similar lines, their third baseman, Jonathan India, um, is a, is a, he's a right-handed hitter, but similar kind of deal where he – he doesn't look like a freshman. He has a very good approach at the plate, doesn't expand, and has some strength in there and can work to uh, work to the gaps. And I think he's going to be a, a big weapon for them this year and, and in the future. I just – I kind of I kind of want to go back to Kowar and Singer here just for a mm-hmm. second. You're talking about two guys, two freshmen, who – and obviously you guys know a little bit more about college baseball than I do. But, like, Jeremy – don't you think that those two guys are like legit Friday guys at a ton of other like big schools? Oh yeah. I mean, pretty much I would feel almost any other school in the power five would be happy to have one of those two arms, if not their Friday role, maybe even like a Saturday role, but like a solidified opening the season up as your Saturday type guy. Like, And they use singer as, as like the middle reliever. And they did it again last night in the midweek as a middle yeah. reliever, and then they use Kowar in a game where they're up nine. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Dayton Dunning started the game last night as yeah. midweek yeah. starter. Like, and <laughs> we didn't even mention, I'll talk about him briefly because he's a sophomore. We kind of glossed over the sophomores. And we don't want this to be the all-Florida podcast, but Alex Fiedo threw on Sunday, and at least for this weekend, he had the best combination of stuff, command, and polish out of any of the three starters, you know, Puck and Shore. Um, in that mix, and he's another big guy, 6'5", 220, um, you know, plus fastball, plus slider, changeup shows above average, like, he's going to be a first-round pick, essentially, uh, next year, so it's just kind of unfair, the uh, deep stable of arms they have there. And then not to keep harping on the Gators, but also they have J.J. Schwartz, who could be a first rounder again next year, but we'll leave it brief at that. He did hit, I think he hit a grand slam last night or yeah, at least a two run homer. Yeah. So 
that's that. We can move on from Florida if we'd like. Off of the Eastern yeah, Michigan. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk enough about Florida as as the year goes on. So, Jeremy, I know I know UVA likes to use underclassmen too. Did anybody stand out for you? Yeah, I I like Paven Smith. I mean, half of their lineup actually they only started three juniors this weekend or this week. A lot of freshmen and sophomores, but I did like Paven Smith. He's our full four hole hitter, left handed bat, first baseman. Plenty athletic. I think he could easily move off the position and be fine in the outfield, but it's with the bat where he truly shows where he, how he could become a potential first-round pick. I mean, I, let's see, real quick. I didn't get any run times on him, but it's an above-average approach. He really sees the ball. He's able to lay off of spin, and he's already up to, like, he's batting well over 600 on the year. I know he hit his first grand slam last year. He's batting 692. So, I mean, obviously there's barrel feel. He was an impact bat on their run last year. It's it's a good one to keep it short. All right. Well, I kind of want to go a little bit national here for like two minutes because we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this podcast ever talking about guys we haven't really seen um, because I think that, you know, using stats and using what Twitter says and blah, 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 blah is kind of reckless. Uh, It's kind of lazy, and we're not going to do that. But I do want to touch briefly on Alec Hansen and Corey Ray on completely different ends of the spectrum, talking about what they've done this past weekend. Alec Hansen threw one inning on Saturday, uh, like walked three guys, gave up some hits, got hit around a little bit, hit a guy. The velocity was fine. He was 95-98, but I guess he he really couldn't spin it, and there was no command. And and I noticed people freaking out on Twitter about it because Hansen's been considered, like, right there with Groom and Puck as far as best arm, best player in the draft. So it kind of, uh, I I don't know, I guess I kind of wanted to go up on a soapbox a little bit here about, like, okay, he was hurt in the fall. He's not 100%. They went into the season knowing he wasn't 100%, and they were going to have to, like, piggyback him to start on Saturdays. And, you know, calm down. It's February. <laughs> just, let's just let's just take a step back here. Like, am, am I way off base in saying that? Well, the good thing is we all know that uh, people on Twitter are very rational uh, human beings. So Yeah, good point. And their analysis is probably dead on. No, but, uh, yeah, it's – as we mentioned kind of with Puck, it was to a different level, but he didn't have his best stuff, and he got hit around a little bit. But, like, you know, these guys are known entities. There there are certain things that, that go along with that. You mentioned the injury. You mentioned him not, um, be, you know, being on a pitch count anyway. Uh, the velocity was there. You know, it, it's something to monitor. If it if it keeps reoccurring, you know, every, every week for the next month, then, yeah, his draft prospects might uh, – might change, but for now it's just kind of a you know that's the first start, and we're we'll, we're gonna have to follow up on it kind of thing. Uh, and on the other side of the spectrum, someone who like has gotten off to the hottest start ever in the history of the world, uh, Jeremy, tell us about Corey Ray. Yeah, uh, so Corey Ray, I'm just looking real quick, not to harp on the stats, but just because he is doing this, he's 11 for 15 with three bombs, and he's hitting. 733 over four games like it's not just anything you find but he's an explosive athlete who's playing left field in his split time in center field throughout this spring and even last summer with team usa i mean buddy reed was out there so obviously buddy got a majority of the reps but 
When you look at Ray, you have a left-handed bat. He's hitting at the top of the order, but is showing middle-of-the-order type strength. He's got the hit tool. He's got the power tool. His arm plays, and he's he's a plus runner that's going to be an above average to probably a possibly plus defender. So you're looking at all five tools potentially. He's six for six with stolen bases, so he shows that his speed plays. I mean, you, you just can't get off to a better start really than what he's done to solidify his draft stock, draft stock at the top of the draft. So, Do you think he profiles in center field in pro ball? Personally, I do based off of what I had seen and when I've seen him. I'll be able to see him again later on this spring at Boston College, so we'll, uh, I'll get another in-depth look then. Yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm going to be able to see them against Notre Dame, too, in a few weeks, and I'm excited right. for that series. So, I think you'll see him before I do, so okay, might beat me to it. All right, we mentioned, uh, we've mentioned quite a few of like the top five or six prospects of the draft. We've touched on Hanson. We got a big in-depth report on Puck. Um, everyone knows about Jason Groom. Uh, you know, I, I could I could let Jeremy talk about Jason Groom, but we'd be here for a day and a half. Maybe so two. We know. We know. You found him when he was 14. We know. <laughs> um, but I did want to I did want to bring up Riley Pint because we did hear some things a couple weeks ago that seemed unbelievable out of this world you know no way that's true that was all our reactions when we heard these things so we confirmed it with with people who were there with scouts who were there we confirmed it with some front office types and you know kraus reported it on twitter a couple weeks ago but at a showcase in kansas indoors in a bullpen with no batters i know i get it but still riley pint was 97 to 102 with eight arm speed and a curveball that flashed seven, a changeup that flashed seven, and command. So w- when we confirmed that, when we heard that, when we had people that we respect at a high level in baseball telling us that these things were true, uh, like I had to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just that's just silly. Like I like you said, I didn't really when I heard about it, I was like, come on, like. Is this for real? And then, like you know, we both talked to to multiple people, and it just it's just uh, I don't I, mean, I don't really even have words for it. That's and and I get you know ninety seven one hundred two. Yes, we know <laughs> that's unbelievable, and but like that's really not even the most shocking thing. Yeah. No, we all knew that Pint was going to throw the crap out of the ball. You know, we've all we've all seen him up to ninety eight, and we've all seen the the tweets from area codes or whatever last year where he had supposedly hit a hundred. We knew that that was in there. So like for him to touch one Oh two, I, you know, it's, it's huge and it's great, but that's really not that shocking to me. But then you hear about the breaking ball and the changeup showing plus plus with command. And that's when, you know, like I had to pinch myself and, and sit down and like drink a glass of water, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like what, <laughs> who does that? Uh, does that even exist? Like, that's not even a thing that exists. Like a unicorn, you might want to That's a unicorn, say. yeah. You know, I, I, and I understand that, you know, like I said before, I, I understand that it, it was in a bullpen and it was indoors and there was no hitters and and uh, and all of that, but what if he keeps that up? You know, not even week to week, not even start to start, but, like, what if he shows it enough? 
What if there's four or five instances over the next four months where he does that? Is is there even a question anymore who's won one? I mean, if I mean he, if he's can able there be? To, huh? I, I was going to just say, like, can there be one? Like, Yeah, I don't, I don't have? If he's able to do that or even close to that consistently um i don't i don't think so you know it's just he's going to have all the cross checkers and directors there in the world to to come see him and if he shows off a a breaking ball and a change up that are both plus and flashing plus plus and um upper 90s to touching triple digits with command yeah, it's it's hard to turn that one away. It really is. So I I don't know. It's going to be fun to watch and kind of follow up on that. The command's the biggest thing too. After what we saw this summer, I mean, obviously the stuff and we talked about the changeup development and the the curveball's been there, but not to that level. But the command, based off of what we saw this summer, I think's more than noteworthy, obviously as well in of itself. Yeah, he was always a guy who you know like he could throw strikes, but. You know, not necessarily with consistency, and it wasn't necessarily commanded. So to hear that that he even has any semblance of command is like a giant step in the right direction, right? Yeah, but I, I think I did hear a part of that is like he grew two inches last summer, so that could have thrown off his balance and his overall mechanics. Because I did sure. see him two years prior, and he wasn't like that. But I mean, for what it he is, what he is now. So I guess that's what matters in the long run. Man, he's just – that's super fun to think about. I, I You know, we okay, so we've talked about him. We've talked about Puck. We've, we've touched on Groom. We've touched on Hanson. We've talked about Buddy Reed. And I think there's probably one more guy who's right there as far as if we're looking at the top echelon of the draft, um, and that's Blake Rutherford. Perfect game All-American, number two overall in our rankings, uh, California prep outfielder. I've never even seen him. Uh, so Jeremy, can you, can you give us the rundown on Rutherford? Yeah. I mean, he's six foot two, 190 pounds, strong, physical, still has room to fill out though. Left-handed bat, as you had mentioned, he's a six, six type runner. He, we heard all about the BP he took at our all American game where he put ball after ball out of the stadium. So from what you can gather, he's probably a five tool potential type uses a middle of the field approach, but the swing's easy and. Pretty much all the assets or intangibles you want in a young prep bat, he shows them. The speed plays. He could project fine as a center fielder at the next level. The arms at least average. I mean, all the tools are there. So I know California is already underway, and he'll he'll be scouted heavily. He'll be at NHSI earlier in the beginning of March, so which I think I may be at, so I might be able to see him. Do we have anyone going there? Yeah. I might be able to do that one and see like Georgia Tech UNC series, so might be able to see, get them for another in-person look. That'll be very good. Yeah, but all right. So that's kind of how we see the top five or six, seven prospects right now. In a week, that might change. In a month, that's almost certain to change. Uh, but I kind of wanted to get into the next tier, you know, like picks eight through 15 or something like that. Just, you know, guys that, that we like that we think are, are really talented baseball players, no doubt first rounders, but aren't, you know, top five. And I think that that's kind of where the, 
the dearth of knowledge amongst the average fan comes in. Everybody, everybody knows who Jason Groom is. Everybody knows who AJ Puck is. But does everybody know who we like at 12th overall or something like that? So I did kind of want to get into that a little bit. Uh, and I know in our next podcast we're going to talk about sleepers. Um, but Andrew, do you want to do you want to give us a guy you like in like the eight through fifteen range? Sure. I uh, I don't know if I actually end up going there, so maybe this isn't the best one to pick. But I really want to talk about him, and it's Ian Anderson. You know, he might. We're always a little seem to be a little bit higher on some of the uh, high school right-handed pitchers, and they seem to fall a little bit um, in the draft and. He's a Vanderbilt commit, so you never know how those things are going to work out. But uh, I really like him, and he's shown good stuff. And he's a 6'3", 180, 190-pound right-hander, very projectable, uh, lean, wiry kid from uh, New York State, kind of a fresher northeast arm. Uh, We saw him a number of times this summer. He was really good at national. Uh, He's up to 95 in short stints over the course of the summer, but mainly 92, 94 with with good life on the fastball, um, you know, projects for a plus curveball, and uh, also has an above average, a potentially above average changeup. So you got three um, above average pitches there, and uh, just a good a good profile, a good body, and and the uh, fresh northeast arm kind of stuff comes into it too. And those are guys that I kind of like to follow upon and and see how they end up. And I also kind of like the fact that when he came to our national showcase, he had just if you look on our profile uh, picture, he had just been hit, I think it was, I don't know if it was a week before, a few days before, um, with a ball in the face, and he has a huge bruise on his face, and his face was all beat up, and he comes in, and he competes real hard, and he threw really well, and just kind of shows kind of his uh, competitive nature and grit, if you will, so that was something that was kind of cool to see, and kind of endear, en- endears him to me, so he's a yeah, guy that, that, that so might... He's a guy that might slip a little bit further than that that range we're talking about, but I think he has the potential to to rise a little bit if he has a strong spring. Yeah, he just owned it. That yeah. that facial bruise, man, he loved it. Yeah, he threw <laughs> on the nationally televised game too, and yeah. just went at it. Yeah, yeah, he didn't back down, or he didn't. You know, he was out there. He's a bulldog out there, so it was fun to watch. H, I know he's a Northeast guy. Are you going to see him this spring? I mean, he's only an hour and a half, I think, away. So, so that's all on me if I don't actually get out to see him. That that's we'll, on me. I we'll should. We'll make sure to remind you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, H. Who you got? Um, I'll swing it over collegiate-wise, and I'll I'll go with Dalton Jeffries out of Cal. He's not as big as Ian Anderson. I think he's only like six foot one seventy. But the stuff is there on par with Anderson. Obviously, he's a couple years older, but he's 91, 95. Shows really, really advanced command of his fastball to either side. Spots it at the knees, mixes in a curveball and changeup with command, both of which at least are average now. And I mean, I just saw him this summer with Team USA, and he kind of grew on me. He's obviously going to get some knocks as being a college right-hander at six foot, but I think he could slide into the back end of the first and maybe up a little bit better. Maybe not necessarily into that 8 to 15 range, but he's one that I'll personally be keeping an eye on. So, And I know you mentioned Connor Jones earlier, too, from UVA. Do you like sure. him in that kind of range, too? Yeah, I yeah. think that'd be a, a good fit. And I think, I mean, honestly, if he keeps producing and adds of more velocity, he could solidify himself within possibly a top 10 pick, so... 
he's obvious, he's going to get the attention pitching Friday nights for the reigning national champions. Yeah, that's a good place to be if you want to show your stuff. I would think so. Yeah, definitely. How about you, though? Who are you on? Oh, well, you guys know who I'm on. Uh, my my favorite player in the whole class is Mickey Moniak, uh, the prep outfielder from California. You know, there's like four prep outfielders from California who like are all super high-level dudes. So, well, next, you know, year, next year's class, not to interrupt you, but next year's prep California class is insane, not just outfielders but overall. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll have a, maybe we'll have a separate conversation on that on a different podcast. But it is so loaded out in California. I think Krauss is trying to uh, tempt you into dropping Nick Allen's name. Uh, you know, I'm going to talk about Nick Allen on every podcast. <laughs> I mean, that's so, a foregone conclusion. You don't have to tempt me into doing that. Hi, Mike Rooney. Hi. Yes, I'm talking about Nick Allen. <laughs> okay. So anyway, can I talk about Moniac now? Go ahead. How about it? Okay. No, Mickey Moniak, I think he's the best pure bat in the class, and I include college in that. I think he's the best pure bat in the class, in the draft class of 2016. And he's a no-doubt center field prospect. You know, he's at least a plus runner. We've seen better times from him than six. Um, And I think that the bat is, is at least a six projection. It might be higher than that. The only question mark with him is power. Uh, he's kind of a, a skinnier framed, a little wiry. You know, there's strength there, but but there's not much over the fence power right now. It's more gap to gap, and and there's questions if if the power ever even reaches like an average level. But even with the the power limitations there, I still think he's a guy who who might hit 300 one day, who can steal some bases, who can play good defense in the middle of the diamond, and that's you know pretty ideal as like a leadoff type hitter, and. I think that the the ultimate draft stock is going to hinge on how much power he has. You know, like he's not without power. I'm not saying he's a slap hitter. He's just, you know, he's not Blake Rutherford in terms of power in the prep class. Um, And so I think that this spring, if we see him and he's a little bit stronger and he's putting some balls out and, you know, scouts are putting potential fours on his, on his in-game power, then you start thinking, yeah, no doubt picks eight through 15 something like that right in there just because he can rake and i you know we all saw him at pg national we all saw him put on the best batting practice performance of any prep player like i've ever seen just in terms of professionality you know he was just hitting light rising line drives all over the field back and forth you know our boss david ronsley called it the windshield wiper round mm-hmm. you know if you can picture a windshield wiper going back and forth that's what moniac's bp looked like um and, and, you know, I just – I like guys who can hit. That's just – you know, Kraus talked earlier about how he likes pitchers who throw change-ups. I like guys who hit. <laughs> so that's that always a good thing to like. Yeah, you know, like I like guys who hit. I know I know I'm not exactly like in, in rare territory there, but I like guys who hit. Mickey Moniak hits. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I, I think that that's going to do it for us. You guys got anything to add? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, really? uh, it's kind of a good first episode. Good, good to get us started. Like you said, we can work some emails and interactive stuff into the show at some point. But uh, it's basically just going to be us breaking down guys that we see it on a uh, every week basis, and then touching on some national stuff as well. Definitely, I think it was a good first effort, guys. Hands in, team on three. Was really proud of us there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Reminders, housekeeping stuff. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Midweek Starter. Tweet us your thoughts. Uh, you can email us if you'd like, midweekstarter at gmail.com. Uh, questions you might have, even if it's just to talk about how annoying Jeremy's voice is. That's fine. We welcome that kind of stuff. Also, uh, also music. Music, yes. Send us music. Intro uh, music, outro music. We're all big Fringe Average fans, uh, R.I.P. Mike and R.I.P. Jason. Or R.I.P. Mark, rather. Hmm. Um, and I liked what they did with, you know, having kind of unsigned bands send in their stuff to be played on the show to hopefully get them a little bit of publicity. And I dig that. I kind of want to do that with ours, uh, with, with the midweek starter here. So if you know of anybody who is in a band or if you're in a band and if you got some music, uh, send it to us, email it to us or link it to us on Twitter. And we would love to, to have it on the show. Um, ideally we're going to be on iTunes pretty soon here. So, uh, once we do get up there, if you could, you know, like us or leave us a review or something like that. Again, even if it's just to tell us that Jeremy's voice is annoying, that's fine. Uh, the more and more likes and reviews we get, the more and more seen we are and, and downloaded we might be, and that's kind of what we're hoping for. So any Publicity uh, is good publicity, so we'll take it. Publicity is good publicity. Good call, Mr. Brown. So without uh, without anything else, I think that's going to do for it. do it for us. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll talk to you next week.